I would rather have a day job than be a Pokemon mascot. Han Solo is clearly more attractive than Indiana Jones. I would take the Star Wars trilogy over the Matrix trilogy any time. The Legend of Zelda versus Super Mario. Who's better in bed, Jafar or Gaston? And would Thanos masturbate with the Infinity Gauntlet or not? Every week, Nerd Rage The Great Debates brings you the funniest comics, writers, and podcasters to settle some of geekdom's most divisive topics. Find us on Spotify or wherever you find podcasts. to the Escapist Comics Podcast. I'm Jessica Balboni. I'm Robert Nagolesco. And guess who's back? Returning <laughs> hero, challenger awaits. <laughs> Jacob Rubin! It's me. Yeah. I'm very quiet now. Hey, guys. It's so cool to be back on this podcast. Yeah. Welcome back. Episode 2000. Yeah, I think yeah. that's where we're at now. Something like that. Oh, really? I don't know the numbers. Apparently, for some reason, our numbers are all messed up. So we have no idea where we are anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, whack. We got oh, just like, it's just like a, I mean, how many issues of Fantastic Four are we up to now? We have no idea. They keep resetting it to number one. That's this show. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of like where we are in our continuity, so. Yeah. Volume seven. Right. We're in volume seven now. Volume seven. That's real. (laughs) How's life in Hollywood? Uh, It's cool. Yeah. Um, Let me see. What what exciting things have happened? Uh, I saw Keith David getting coffee. Ooh. (laughs) Um, I was in a Dos Equis commercial. That's right, true. Right. We talked yeah. about that. We, we're oh, like we did. famous now. Yeah. We in a Dos Equis commercial. Yeah, the yeah. audition, I had lines, and then the commercial, they were like, you didn't have any lines. Oh, okay. Oh, that's they how it for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what else? I don't know. It's been cool. You got a um, dog. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got a dog named Ziggy. He's super cute. He, yeah, we came up, we visited the store uh, about a month or two ago. And uh, yeah, I picked up Paper Girls. Haven't read it yet. Um, <laughs> Sounds like you. <laughs> but I will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I read all the, and Jess very helpfully sent me all the comics. Well, almost all the comics that we're going to be talking about in the episode today. So I won't just have to sit here and go, oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> yes. That sounds like something I wouldn't read. Not right. because I don't <laughs> like it. Just because I, I haven't gotten to it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But I did read all these, and I and I more or less liked all of them. But we'll get into it when we get into it. We will. That's, but thanks so much for having me back. I'm very excited. Yeah, we're excited too. Yeah, it's um, cool. Let's get into it then, because we do have a lot of comics and news. All sorts of things are happening. And but <laughs> Human Target was the first one we're going to get into, and it's by Tom King and Greg Smallwood. And Greg Smallwood did everything because uh, he is a design master. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Human Target's been around the DCU for quite a while. Uh, Christopher Chance. Christopher Chance. Uh, yeah, this is the second Human Target. There was an original 
other human target named Fred Venable. Um, he was oh. originally created in 1953 by Edmund Hamilton and Sheldon Moldoff. Um, but yeah, this is the, the second guy who is created by Len Wein and Carmine Infantino. Infantino? Infantino. Nice. Nice. Tino. Tino. <laughs> I like Tino better. It sounds fancy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I saw him speak at a uh, the, like a panel for the 50th anniversary of Barry Allen or something at Comic Con, and he the way he talks about creating the Rogues Gallery, which I think we you know one of the more defining and influential and important collection of, of villains in comics. He's just like, oh yeah, so they were like, we needed a cold guy, and I was like, okay, and now we need like a hot guy, and I was like, okay. He was so chill about creating these guys. <laughs> Those guys did that entire generation. Most of them just did not give a shit. <laughs> yep. Did he have a big for the kids. Cigar hanging out of his mouth. Carmine. Sorry. Did he have a big cigar hanging out of his mouth while he was talking? Uh, like if, if it wasn't indoors in California, I'm sure he would have. Yeah, he was one yeah. of the guys. <laughs> he he, um, he carried this whole era of like, why are we doing this? Why are we celebrating this? I don't get it. This was a job. <laughs> nice well yeah but he was awesome he was super cool i mean he's a legend he, he doesn't need to recognize it it doesn't really he, matter what he thinks of he himself. did the thing where like the captions had hands coming off of them that pointed at the thing that they were talking about was that him yeah i don't know that was yeah. brilliant he created some of the best batman covers too yeah um they're always like very like cinematic oh sure yeah yeah um, and you know kicked off the silver age going back to this though okay. yeah. this fits it looks like uh well not comics of the era but like advertisements of the era mm -hmm. it's super darwin cook inspired like i was just like reading the whole thing i'm like darwin cook all over this thing definitely um i do want to give a shout out to that they really brought this character back um in the vertigo era like 99 uh, Peter Milligan and Edvin Bukovic brought him back then. And also, like, I think they did, like, a graphic novel called, like, Final Cut and then, like, another 22-issue miniseries as well, which got canceled in 2005. But very famously, Rick Springfield played uh, the human target in 1990. Mm. And they did, like, a very short-run series, but they changed him to, like, a oh. Vietnam vet and then he was like a private investigator bodyguard and yeah and he was christopher chance and he was it's like, still set in the it was no it's set in the dc universe the show i guess i don't know it was huh. i mean it's still a dc show yeah but it was in 1990 so i don't know the rick springfield it only lasted one season so was it a, a musical yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think he played a rock star at one point in the show oh okay that's pretty cool yeah uh, you know, I feel like Human Target, just the premise, only really works as comics because you can buy someone being able to put on makeup to look like these people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They also made it another show in mm. 2010 from 2011 starring Mark Valley. I have no idea who that is. Um, it deviated, though, from the comic version because the character would assume a nondescript identity to keep him close to the target than rather like actually taking on the target's identity. I guess that kind of like makes up for like having to wear a complete disguise or like change your face like Mission Impossible, you know? So right. it's like the same idea, just less fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Cause I mean, that's what I was thinking. Like 
the only way it would work in live action is like it's like yeah mission impossible where it's mm-hmm. like cut away from the real actor pulling at their skin cut to something and then it's tom cruise pulling a rubber mask off yeah, yeah. right yeah <laughs> it would work much better today because special effects have gotten so much better obviously mm-hmm. um, yeah they had the whole face swapping technology but yeah or if they did it with like sort of a, a rotoscoping draw on the uh, like live action style, right? Mm-hmm. So it's still the go. same actors behind it. That'd be, that could be really cool. Be or whatever cool. Liam Neeson's technology in Darkman was. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> he, he made fake faces. He did. Anyway, we're off top. <laughs> off top. That's the yeah, show. The <laughs> now back to the show. Yeah. Uh, I loved this one though, because we got some great characters that we haven't seen in a long time like dr midnight <laughs> yeah yeah i i love how he practices medicine in, in a superhero costume he's not even yes. like yeah. <laughs> you don't need to wear the mask right now dude we all know you're charles <laughs> but he can't see he has to wear those goggles all the time right yeah, yeah but, but he, should... he doesn't have the cape doesn't help him see <laughs> he's also what still not wearing white gloves aren't you supposed to put on gloves to like you know do doctor stuff like <laughs> but he is everyone's is it this canon has this been canon that he's everyone's doctor he's the superhero doctor yeah yeah he's a superhero oh, okay doctor, especially for he's, the jsa he's the only dc hero with like a medical degree or the, the license to practice medicine <laughs> and so he just knows yeah he knows Dr. everything Fate about. Doesn't actually have a degree. He's just called Doctor Fate. He's an yeah. archaeologist. Yeah, PhD in archaeology. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need a doctor. I can right, look at okay. bones. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love Doctor Vin. I love how absurd, and I also love how they're like, all right, he's the only doctor in the DCU, which means he has to know everything about medical science even things that like you know he's not just a cardiologist he's not just a pulmonologist. he knows everything mm-hmm. including martian be like, physiology yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes he calls on the atom to do like surgery and shit that's it's a team up which i love <laughs> like i, I want, want that book. yeah i want that book huh? too dr That'd midnight be great. would be dr midnight's never had his own book i think tom king should also do a dr midnight book he had, a, he had a three-issue miniseries that I have. Did he? Uh, yeah, it, w- it was like when, because this version of Dr. Midnight didn't appear until the 2000s. It was, I remember it was prestige format, so it was like in the nice, you know, covers and whatnot. Uh, it wasn't very good. The art was kind of like a bit too like painty, you know, a bit too right. abstract. And also the story wasn't super interesting. It, it, but yeah, they did take a swing, but they should, he deserves another swing, I think. Yes, I mean, he's the original Daredevil, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they stole that from him. He was blind. He also mm-hmm. knows martial arts. I mean, he's a doctor instead of a lawyer. This guy's blind? Interesting. Yeah, he's blind. He was, Doesn't that uh, inhibit? His, the original oh. character was blinded by like chemicals or something like that. Um, in, so like, the light. lenses that he wears allows him to see, but now he can see okay. like everything. He can see it in the dark. He can see dark. like he has like perfect, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. His power is kind of just night vision, which yeah. like, <laughs> if you look at every superhero, that's kind of like lame, but I don't know. It's neat. Yeah. I like, I like the sea stringers. I'm a, I'm a yeah. fan of, of these characters just because you can kind of play around with them a little bit more. So like a Dr. Midnight series, you could, you could do what you want and tell the yeah. good story. Right. Do it DC. Yeah. So what Dr. Midnight does for the human target, the human target basically 
uh, is going to protect Lex Luthor, which fucking shitty job, right? Because everyone hates Lex Luthor. And he gets yeah. poisoned um, instead of Lex getting poisoned. Um, and uh, Dr. Midnight creates a pill for him to last 12 days because I can't figure out what this poison is. Uh, so that's his job. And I thought a really funny scene was Dr. Minute's like, we should call Batman. Batman will help you with this. And yeah. Human Target's like, no, <laughs> I don't want to call Batman. It's like, what do you have against Batman? <laughs> he can help you. Doesn't want to do that. He thinks he's a better detective, I guess. Yeah. You Plus Batman's going to show up in this book eventually, it looks oh, like. Oh, he's got to, right? All yeah, well, he's he's part of this particular Justice League. Right, exactly. I think this is such a cool, weird thing. So, like, uh, in, in the comic, we learn that part the, the, they, they trace back something in the poison to be, it's got these remnants of this dimension, this uh, this specific other world that the only people who have ever gone to that dimension and come back is this particular lineup of the Justice League, Justice League International, with Fire and Ice and Guy Gardner and Captain Adam, the, the, the Keith Giffen and J.M. Dematius, uh, right. uh, who was the artist. He's Kevin McGuire. Kevin, yeah. And, and the Lorax, I see. Yeah, the Lorax, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm telling you, the Justice League always does a lot of property damage. They didn't knock down a single tree while he was on the team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's that guy's name? Gnort? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you got me. Oh, you guys are. Oh, you don't actually know that character. Yeah, that's that's. No. Um, I just can't remember his name. Yeah, Gnort. He's like a loser Green Lantern. He was like. Right. Uh, he somehow inherited his ring from his dad, and the the Guardians thought he was so pathetic that they put him in the only sector in space with, that's uninhabited. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and he's like a, a dumb idiot who ruins things. So, but he but he's still a Green Lantern, so that they let him in the Justice League. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a comedy book, right? Predominantly, yes. Justice yeah. League International is a comedy book. So, but it's interesting that this isn't really a comedy book, but it is going to be heavily dealing with those characters, right? Yeah, but like every one of these characters, except I guess for Gnort, have been in like non-comedy serious books. Right. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe Booster Gold. Booster Gold's always everything he shows up Ugh, is kind of like. I hate Booster absurd. Gold. <laughs> Yeah, maybe he's not in this. <laughs> Please don't let him be in this. Okay, but yeah, Je I do have to ask you, as this is one of your favorite characters, where do you rank this particular Black Canary costume? Uh, very low. I would think so. Yeah. It's not very good. No. Is that her all the way on the right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, she looks like Sarah Connor or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, not as cool. No. I mean, back in the day, that would have been pretty dope casting for Black Canary. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I would have enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's a good I, issue. I never liked this. Yeah, it's it's I mean, people have been shitting on Tom King lately, I think, because I think that they think he kind of only has one move. But right. like so do a lot of people, and it's really good. So leave us alone. We're enjoying this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's fun. And it, I mean, let me repeat, it looks amazing. Mm -hmm. Like God, yes. I mean, the writing is good, like but the art is like pretty transcendent stuff. It's pretty phenomenal, I, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. M most of the panels don't have black outlines on the borders, which makes it look really like cool and cinematic. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do like the, that the, touch. The scene with Luther is like, even though they just averted the tragedy, they just averted the disaster, it's still, everything still feels like really cool and tense because of the way it's staged. It's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, thumbs up over here as well. All right, well, let's move on since we have a lot to get to. Uh, from image, oh, everything's sticking together. A couple of weeks ago, we got what's the furthest place from here uh, from friend of the store, Matthew Rosenberg and Tyler Boss. Uh, we will be interviewing these guys soon. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, did I say from Image Comics? I think I did. You did. I you did. did. Cool. <laughs> so this is a post-apocalyptic uh, coming of age story set in 1989. Nice, good year. Good year. Um, definitely has like suburbia vibes or the yeah. warriors. Um, it also oh, takes yeah. place in a record store. I love this book. Yeah, I think it's also like a really fresh take on a post-apocalyptic world. It's not just like a, you know, science fiction or anything like that. It's, you know, I thought it was like really creepy, kind of like Neverlandish as well. Yeah, we don't get a lot or much of anything of what's going on with the greater world, which I like. Also, they throw you right in. There's because there's always that like uh, thing with a different, like a fantasy world or something where it's like, we have to explain what happened. And it's like, there's no explanation here given whatsoever. The only thing we're hinting at is that there's these like, what are they called? The strangers? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really weird, creepy characters that we only see for one panel. Yeah. Um, so it, it's like, we don't know what's going on. We just know something happened and yeah, who, does it matter you know no yeah we just see that there's kind of like factions or gangs basically we have like this gang of kids that are trapped in this record store and that there's no adults allowed right i'm not sure if like once you're an adult you just have to move out <laughs> you just get kicked out of the gang <laughs> that that seems like that's what happened to, to slug like well, he or he, he left out. yeah but like and then when he came back he was right. an adult Right. So, but, yeah. but he wasn't supposed to come back. Yeah, right? right. Or they just didn't know what happened to him. And then like, but once he came back, they're like, we got to let him in. It's Slug, right? He's our friend. Um, but once he got back, right. he got shot. So yeah. But then, so once they go outside, they have like, they meet these like weird pig faced or like pig masked. Uh, yeah. Um, and they start like a war with them. But the oh, they're not grown-ups, right? They're they're kids no. too, right? I thought they were. Are they kids? Yeah, because they're like you broke the rule. You have an adult. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if they were like teens or adults. That was a thing. It seems like everyone gets yeah, like banished or something. I mean, they are all of dressed, this is they are dressed very formally, like they're wearing like suits and ties. So as as opposed to the people that we're following. So I think you you could be that's a logical reason to think, oh, they must be older. But I think right. they just dressed and like nice. one of them had a baby too, like strapped to their chest. I don't know. But then the other girl's pregnant too, which I was like, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Like they're all kids. Obviously, they've never been taught like protection or anything like right. that. Right. <laughs> You know? Also, uh, I don't know if those things come into play when the human race is dwindled down to uh, who knows how many, right? Right. right. <laughs> like, we need every everyone we can get. True, true. Yeah, I, I mean, aside, like, I couldn't quite, like, the fact that they do just throw you in makes this really interesting to the effect where I'm pretty sure that, like, as the issues were on, we'll get a better sense of, like, what this universe actually looks like. I don't see where it's clarified that it takes place in 1989. Um, yeah. I believe I have the insight to that. 
in oh, the, oh, okay. <laughs> my special edition of the book that I have where he actually says it takes place in uh, 1989. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, or maybe there's an interview thing at the end that I didn't read. So maybe that's in there. Yeah. Yeah. He believe he says it right here. It takes place in 1989. Oh, okay. I think. Yeah. Cool. cool. All right. I, yeah. <laughs> I just watched Wayne's World last night and I'm like, when then I read this and I'm like, Penelope Spheris should direct the movie. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's got all the music stuff. I think she'd do a good job. She did Suburbia, you know. Oh yeah, here it says, uh, what's the furthest place from here is an ongoing post-apocalyptic coming of age story about gangs of children trying to survive after the world ended in 1989. There you go. Oh, okay. it ended in 1989. Ended, yes. Well, I mean. So it, it could be later then. It could be now. Oh. Yeah. I mean, this entire day could take place on the same day that Wayne's World was released in theaters in 1992. We don't know. It could be. It's possible. That is canon now. Yeah. We'll talk about this on the interview. Right. Yeah, we'll definitely Only Wayne's ask World him plus. when this right. actually takes place. I mean, from yeah. their clothes and everything, it could be any time, really. Could be nice. Well, I mean, if the culture died in 1989, then right. the like what that evolves into it could be anything yeah that's true yeah that's what happened in the in the fallout video games the apocalypse happened in the 50s and so now right. the 50s sort of aesthetic is carried over into the later decades how hellish yeah mm-hmm. why does it have to be all these like the the 50s the 80s the very like america is right right yeah, yeah. <laughs> give me the 90s apocalypse <laughs> no nah, i don't want that <laughs> <laughs> just big t-shirts exactly <laughs> that's why i don't want that. i don't want that fashion to live out it's happening again get, right now it is the apocalypse yeah. 70s then give me the 70s right. uh yeah, early mustaches cool and, we'll take that some, yeah how do they feather their hair in the apocalypse <laughs> i want to know <laughs> yeah even like some of their haircuts in this i'm like how are they getting it so quaffed <laughs> there's no whites yeah <laughs> how are the, how are they still dyeing their hair so effectively <laughs> yeah. good question they're uh, just raiding those uh, sally's beauties still right <laughs> Well, all those questions. Guys, we don't have enough drinking water because Polly used it to dye her mohawk again. <laughs> uh, so two thumbs up for what's the furthest place from here? Any more questions, comments, concerns? Uh, I, I mean, I, I just, liked it. I thought it was cool. I don't know. I like the, the music aspect and how they talk about it briefly about how like, I forget how they phrase it, but like they choose albums as their like representative of their being. Yeah. And it's like you have and she like chooses Hall and Oates and he's like, What are you doing? Like yeah. you only get one chance. Like basically, right. like your music taste is bad. You're not enjoying things how I'm like, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I do I do like that when the guy like dies, they burn his Husker Do album. Right. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I like that too. They're gatekeeping still after the apocalypse. Oh <laughs> yeah. There would it be so much end. gatekeeping. Oh, there'd be more gatekeeping in an apocalypse. People would be like, oh, we can we can eliminate the knowledge of Taylor Swift from the world now. (laughs) We're gonna gatekeep the fuck out of people. That's 1989, so no Swifty yet. She wasn't even born yet. But her album is called 1989. Oh, there is. And he does reference Taylor Swift in the back of the book. Oh. (laughs) As instrumental rock, which I was like, is that what she is? What? 
she she sings so <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean a lot of her songs now are like 15 minutes long so there's probably a bit a bit less vocals jesus christ really yeah Ooh. did you see her performance on snl last week she no. did a, a 10 minute version of a song that was originally four. Oh, wow and she's it was, evolving it was good i liked it a lot i thought it was very cool it had a, a short film playing behind her that went along with it yeah. with uh the dude from teen wolf and, and one of the girls from stranger things uh, so, Dylan, Michael J. Fox. Yeah, it was Michael J. Fox. No, it was Jason Bateman. Uh, <laughs> no, Teen Wolf too. Sorry, Teen Wolf. Oh, Teen Wolf too. Wait, no, 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 Dylan. Wait, no, the Dylan show? something. Dylan. Huh? Was it Dylan? What's his last name? From I don't remember, but it was Dylan. Yeah. Okay. The main dude. Yeah. And then That's um, the, uh, <laughs> the actress who, Sadie Sink, who plays Max on Stranger Things, oh, okay. and it's a, essentially the two of them reenacting Taylor Swift's relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Oh, wow. Cool. But she's yeah. gone Prague, is what you Oh, think. is that why everyone hates Jake Gyllenhaal right now? That's why, yes. Oh, okay. I was wondering what he did, but I didn't feel like looking it up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, watch the 10 minute SNL performance. It's a bit of a bop. And also, you'll be fully caught up. There was a scarf involved. I don't know. I don't know. I'm on my phone during that part of SNL. <laughs> oh. Uh. Well, that was, uh, that was what's the furthest place from here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are we doing next? Robin and Batman? Uh, yes, that is next. Robin and Batman. Written the by dynamic team of Jeff, Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, again, uh, the artist has done everything. Dustin Nguyen did the colors, layouts, all of that stuff. Because um, he is a watercolor expert. Uh, and it's absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have a yeah, real hard time great... saying Robin and Batman. And I feel really bad about that. Robin's all of you. I'm very sorry. It just, it should be Batman and Robin. But I know he's the main protagonist in this comic, but it's really hard. He's the lead. He's the lead. I know. I mean, we've seen enough. I mean, this, the story of Batman, of Bruce Wayne adopting Dick Grayson, of like the, the origins of Robin, mm -hmm. um, has been told dozens of times in oh, dozens yeah. of different iterations of comics. And most of the time from Dick Grayson's perspective. Uh, but this feels like cool and not and like this is a I would say that this is a very good entry level Batman comic. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's about a classic story with some cool different twists. Um, and also uh, it essentially says the thing that has always made the most sense to me is that Batman, at least at this time around, should be kind of a shitty dad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. oh, Alfred's the real dad. hero in this issue. Definitely. Yeah. I also Alfred calls him out just like boom, boom, boom. Like, oh man. You because yeah. what, what the whole thing about the uh he needs to be more than a child. He needs to be a soldier. And he's like, so you can have a dead soldier on your doorstep, not a dead child. Got it. Yeah. Like, oh good stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, and Jeff Lemire just knows how to write about like lost loved ones and failing mm -hmm. relationships too that's like his specialty he's like i know how to make you sad here's this comic even if it's about batman and robin or robin and batman he just knows how to pull at all of your heartstrings I and mean, even the stuff with killer croc that we get is so sad and just like the emotion mm -hmm. you see on killer croc's face i don't think i've ever seen that type of emotion before drawn on uh one of the rogues of batman you know um, yeah only so. really uh mr freeze is genuinely the tragic very tragic figure off i mean they're all kind of tragic but yeah you don't you rarely feel it because you're like mm -hmm. yeah two faces tragic but i'm not like 
oh, poor Two-Face. Right. <laughs> you know, but it is tragic, right? I mean, of course. this yeah, whole world that, is seeped in that. I'd say that Mr. Freeze's tragedy is like you're kind of rooting for him a little bit. Yeah. Whereas yeah. everyone else is like, hey, maybe don't do anything. And that's the real solution here. Yeah. yeah. Just sit yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's time to lock him back up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because, yeah, they but all... I, I, I think this is the first time. This is the first time, at least, that I'm aware of that uh, they decided to tie Killer Croc into um, Dick Grayson's origin, yeah, and have him be a circus freak. That's genius. That's really slick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he knew the outfit immediately. Yeah, right. he's like, "Where'd you get that outfit?" Like immediately, he's like, "What? Where did that come from?" Mm-hmm. I also like that he he wanted a bright red and yellow green suit because it would piss Bruce off. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was trying to remember if Killer Croc had been in that situation before too. It felt very familiar, but maybe I was thinking of another villain that had been part of that. Canon. They have had other characters who like used to work at the same circus as the Graystons or whatever. Yeah. Um, or were somehow tied to Dick before he became Robin. But like, this is the, I mean, the, the having it be, it's a circus. So, so many things can happen, come out of a circus. Like the fact that, no one that I know of, and I don't want this to happen, but no one's tied the Joker being a clown to Robin being a circus performer. Yeah, I don't want that to happen. Yeah, that, now that would suck. Now it's gonna happen. It's yeah. out there now. Yeah. <laughs> no, that'd be terrible. That'd be a terrible idea. That'd be so awful, yes. Uh, yeah. But, like, there's, and I'd say, like, yeah, freak show, and also the fact that Killer Croc is a big dumb dummy, so having this, like, kind of idiot, no Batman secret identity, rules. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or or maybe he's not there yet, but he will be. Right. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. Well, he'll definitely know Robin's secret identity for sure. Right. And then, you know, he sees in the news uh, Bruce Wayne adopts young Ward. He'll be like, ah, oh, that's it. Yeah, okay. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, he read I his diary. Say... Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. That's, that's really. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to ball. say something that's not really about this comic, but about the Batman Robin relationship. But yeah, he, he read. Yeah. That, that That's really fucked up. Like, the, I don't know that any iteration of Batman I've ever read has done something so like, dude, you knew that that's a shitty thing to do. Oh, yeah. But I can totally see him doing that, too, because he's a detective and he has to know everything and that's kind of his shitty prerogative, right? Like, that's what... Yeah, it didn't surprise me that he would do that at all. Okay, yeah. There's no secrets between us. Exactly. I was like, ugh. (laughs) Okay, okay, Gaslighter. Okay. (laughs) Jeez, Gotham by Gaslight much. (laughs) (laughs) That's really, we should redo that story. (laughs) You just gaslight everyone around (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's why he's so alone. (laughs) Uh, My parents are alive. You just never met them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah he gas he gaslit bob kane to, right. to write it that way he's like no 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 my parents are fine but yeah, yeah. uh there's there's one thing i want to i want to very lightly touch on and this is a bit of a spoiler for a nerd rage episode that's coming out but i was talking to stephen Koo on nerd rage and he talked about how in the film batman forever after dick grayson's parents are killed um Bruce Wayne, Val Kilmer adopts Chris O'Donnell, Robin. Do you know how old Chris O'Donnell was when they made that movie? 27. He was 27 <laughs> years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like people have full It's not careers. so much an adoption, it's just like you could move in. Yeah. He had a roommate. You could crash he, he here. He found a new roommate. <laughs> right. 
but please drop official adoption papers. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's why, I mean, that is one of the re many reasons why I hated that yeah. so much. It made no sense at all. Ugh, and uh, then nipples, but you know. <laughs> as much as yeah. I like this comic, I do need to put this weird thing out there that to me feels odd now. So Robin is a name that Dick's mom called him. Uh -huh. And then when he stops being Robin, Batman keeps calling kids Robin. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that they talk about that in this comic that he was called Robin. Yeah. Be yeah, his mom. It was he 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 because he's like trying to figure out a name for himself. Right. And he's like, it can't be Bat Boy because I don't want something that's tied to my age. It has to be able to live. And then he's like, maybe it should be Nightwing. But my mom used to call me Robin, so okay, maybe I yeah. should be Robin. But then it's like, okay, so you, you've, you've, you've graduated Robin High School, and now this next kid's gonna be called Robin. And then Dick's like, wait a second, dude, like <laughs> my mom called me that. Like that's my mom's nickname for me. You're calling all these little boys Robin now? Like what? <laughs> your son? You don't want to come up with a nickname for your own son? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they didn't really think that through. And the costume, too, was his costume from the flying, yeah, the flying grave. That his yeah. parents also probably made. Right. Yeah. So Batman, it, Batman just, like, stole his legacy <laughs> and <laughs> gave it to some other kids. You know, now that I'm looking at it, it is pretty reckless that he's like, hey, you know how you were, like, a famous trapeze performer? What if you were that exact, uh, where you performed under your yeah. legal last name? What if we just put a mask on it and hope no one noticed? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's definitely uh, strange. Yeah. He has a lot of smart guys that are villains that, you know, he goes after. Nobody put that together. Not yeah. a just Killer Croc. Yeah. Just Killer Croc. <laughs> just Killer Croc. Genius detective Killer Croc. <laughs> Batman villains aren't exactly the circus going type, which is insane because one of them's a clown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true <laughs> they were all locked up a lot yeah that's the so riddler couldn't figure it out though really yeah the riddler <laughs> the calculator all that dude does is go on the internet <laughs> hugo strange couldn't figure it out yeah calendar man would know ev the date of every single <laughs> performance of the graysons <laughs> he could just sit there and list it <laughs> All right. Well, we we broke that down. <laughs> still enjoyable, despite still enjoyable. the fridge logic we are bringing yeah. to this right now. Like, it's still very enjoyable. Oh, I mean, look, if it was in the newspaper that young Bruce Wayne fell in a bat cave when he was a boy, then probably more <laughs> villains would have put that together. But that didn't happen. This is so much more blatant. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's get to the thing by Walter Mosley, Tom Riley, and Jordi Belair. Walter Mosley is a famous crime writer, uh, most famously probably for Devil in a Blue Dress, which was also made into a motion picture, major motion picture starring Denzel Washington, uh, which is a great movie. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure you can stream it somewhere. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I remember seeing it in theaters, but it's probably worth a rewatch for sure. I like that it's set back in the past, probably because Walter Mosley's like, listen, I'm not going to get into whatever the hell you got going on now. Oh, it yeah. can be set. It can be set when I was a kid. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I just I like when they allow 
it's not always, you know, sometimes it seems like they make them stick with the modern continuity, but I do like when they're, you can set the story whenever there's such a rich history, oh, just yeah, like definitely. the Rob, just like Robin and Batman, you know, right. that's mm-hmm. when Jeff Lemire wanted to write. He didn't want to write about Huntress and Damian Wayne. and You have to tie everything in. Yeah. Just like, no, I want the basic, like we've got this, like, well, maybe three villains at this point. Here's Robin. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Tom so this, Riley, and- do, you, do you guys know Tom Riley's art? much because i opened this book and i was like holy shit this art is so good yeah, yeah i like this great. a lot yeah um, plus jordy belair coloring just oh, like yeah. amazing but so good but um, but it works great together it's a super solid yeah and on first read i was a little confused about this book but i read it again and it and it kind of cleared some things up uh yeah, maybe this is Walter Mosley's first attempt at a comic, so some storytelling things kind of didn't go well at first, but... I agree with that. Yeah. Yes. It yeah, sort of okay. seems like there was like five things going on at once that just sort of flew and bled into each other and then disappeared, and yeah. Yeah. and like, Also, the whole, like, how Alicia Masters was characterized is like very early 2000s romantic comedy where it's like mm-hmm. no normal human would, like... Like the way that chain of events occurred where it's like, she's walking down the street with uh, this guy, Alejandro Vasquez. And then like, you know, Ben is, maybe Ben's a jerk about it, right? Right. But then like that guy maces him and and then he just leads her away and she doesn't like be like, no, what, what's going on? Like, and then, and then the next time they see each other, she's like, we should see other people. I'm like, this is a 2000s romantic comedy uh-huh. characterization. Alicia deserves better. Yes. <laughs> it was very strange. Uh, I was like, Alicia would never act that way, especially if that guy maced Ben. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, no, she'd be pissed, as you would be. Like, I don't care if you're having a fight with your boyfriend. Like, if yeah. some dude, some art dealer maced your boyfriend, you'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah. like what the fuck dude uh-huh. he, he's in a rage he's in a rage we have to go right because <laughs> he wasn't really doing anything that bad honestly no uh, no he destroyed a car yeah I mean, he could destroy a car for sure but that was after he got maced yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and also it's that, like the fantastic four are famous like you think this guy walks up to you and you're like oh i'm just gonna Oh, well, clearly this man is unhinged. He's a, a horrible beast, but I have to take care of this myself. It's not the guy who punched Galactus. I am the one who needs to take charge here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I do like uh, Hercules in the drunk tank. Yes. Hercules that in was the drunk amusing. tank was awesome. And it was kind of a nice little almost Marvel two-in-one nod. The thing teams up with people a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. How, how watch the thing and Hercules escape from a maximum security prison. Yeah. And in the beginning too, so we get like a new antagonist, like this Grim Reaper looking villain. And I didn't really get what was happening with the the guy he attacks. Uh there's like a poster on his wall of this like famous we get like singer, um, which we have no idea who she is. And there's no, all- no, no, that's that's a uh, Amerius de Jour, the one he goes on the date with at the end. Right, right, right. Yeah, I got oh, that. But we don't know yet. Yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. know yet in the beginning, though. Yeah, there was no. also like a woman outside too, and I was like, "Is that the woman that was outside?" Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it was a little weird at first. Yeah, yeah. So like all of that took a little bit 
to clear up. And then the guy like steals his heart, the Grim Reaper guy steals his heart. And I was like, okay. Uh, I thought that the whole little story in the beginning was very unclear of what was going on. Um, but like I said, on the second read, I was like, oh, okay. Cause they, once he steals his heart, he turns him into a, another villain, I guess. <laughs> right? A tower. Yeah. A, a tire the guy with tires on his hands. Right. <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> Like that's gonna work. Yeah, a big, strong, tire-wielding guy. I mean, he looks like the the fifth member of the Wrecking Crew. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Super basic costume. Instead of a, a crowbar or a wrecking ball, it's just tires. Yeah, which I yeah. thought could have been better, as well. Like he could have had a bit more of a design to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. This one, this this whole comic does definitely seem like it's. I didn't know that this was a. Uh, like a novel novelist coming in and it does seem like this is like it was probably written as a larger story yeah. and we're getting it segmented rather than writing individual issues as their own things that build to a larger narrative this does kind of like this is that sort of sin that people complain about marvel comics where it's like well what happened like yeah. where are we going i, I not it's like it didn't even get to the you know the fight at the end thing right yeah um and i mean there's some very cool parts in this comic it's just maybe it needed another rewrite over probably or a little more editing something yeah, yeah there is cool stuff uh i like the idea of this guy who steals hearts and then seems to taint their heart in right. a way mm -hmm. and then replace it like put it back but like it's almost like he's possessing their heart or something yeah and then this leads to this like glimpses that ben is getting of well because it happens to ben right. and then uh he starts seeing these like dark images of like you know that that double page spread is pretty incredible with like galactus and the celestials and mm -hmm. infinity all like dead mm -hmm. pretty it, cool stuff it is really cool but it doesn't really explain why he's seeing that either no yeah <laughs> so and may, maybe we'll get more of that later I don't know. And then he joins like a super futuristic dating app, basically, right? <laughs> right. Right. Because Alicia's like, Alicia's like, you got maced. We're on a break now. Yeah. And again, un very uncharacteristically, Ben joins a dating app, I guess because his heart was uh, tainted. And he's like, yeah. sure, why not? I'm going to join this weird dating app that this pixie told me to do. Because like this well, weird creature comes out of nowhere and tells we're getting Walter Mosley's opinion of dating apps. Yes. <laughs> He's like, some weird pixie told me, and it's like, my heart's not tainted. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did think it was kind of odd that it's like, so this pixie appears to like only certain types of people, and it would make sense, like some sort of between across all of time and space interdimensions i try to link people up with each other and she like flies into his tv and she's like you're the perfect person for this sort of project and then who does she link him up with a human choreographer in the same city like <laughs> I, I don't know that feels a bit underwhelming yeah, yeah. It, maybe she did that to protect her the, the woman against this other guy Oh, maybe yeah, it's not really a dating service. It's more of like yeah, a, a protection cosmic protection service? organization. Yeah, or a yeah. purpose. Maybe it's more purpose based. Like yeah, because I mean, Alicia and Ben are going to be together, right? Right. I mean, like that. We we kind of know that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
but this is like and like i mean this is all of us flushing all of this out right so we shouldn't have to do this this mm -hmm, right this comic which is unfortunate uh like i said i wanted more out of this um so we'll see uh i might skim through issue two i might not who knows yeah there, there's definitely <laughs> i mean not to like knock him you know it's like writing for comics is very different and if this is this guy's if he's a you know big writer like writes all the time but doesn't yeah. write for comics it is a different it's a it's a difficult thing the different transfer you know yeah to... nikki's written like 47 crime novels Jesus. yeah yeah <laughs> so, like then i want to read this get... guy's crime novels yeah you know? yeah why is he getting into comics with the thing and not with like i don't know fucking daredevil or like i have Moonlight. no idea maybe he loves the thing Maybe. Yeah, maybe he I mean, wants to write doesn't. things outside of his wheelhouse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's written a few like Afro um, sci-fi like novels as well. Um, okay. Maybe he just loves the thing. Loves Who doesn't? I know. Who doesn't? I love the thing. That's why I, I want to read this. <laughs> the, the miniseries, or actually I think it was supposed to be ongoing, it just got canceled, that Dan Slott did a number of years ago, where the first arc was... Uh, thing goes to murder world with a bunch of people oh and yeah it's an arcade story i i love the hell out of the story and i think arcade's a stupid character that sucks so <laughs> yeah. hey, i love arcade <laughs> no it's not dumb, it's <laughs> no i mean the the settings are super cool but like it doesn't make any sense i'll pay you a million dollars to kill this superhero in your cartoon maze uh with with like jack-in-the-boxes and slot machines and shit uh, what's your record? Oh, I've never killed anyone successfully. Yeah, Everyone he, always uh, he always fails. It's so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> so dumb. Joker Archie. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And lastly, we have, we'll do just a quick rundown of uh, Darkhold Wasp, which came out this week, uh, written by Jordi Belair and drawn by Claire Rowe. You know, Jordi and then Belair. colorist by Jordi Belair. Oh, yes. And colored by Jordi Belair. Super uh, cool. Jordi Belair has written one of my favorite horror comics, uh, Redlands, which if you come into our store, I will always recommend to you. Still has not finished. Jordi, when are you going to get back to Jordi? Jordi. When are you going to get back to Redlands? I want. <laughs> I just want it to finish. I loved this comic. It's just yeah. like a single, you know, one-shot issue, I think, for... Yeah. You haven't read any of the Darkhold. I don't know what the hell's going on in Darkhold. It's, no I mean, they tell you in one sentence, they, her and four other heroes read from some evil book to try and save the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they read from the Darkhold in an attempt to stop the Elder God, Chithon, from manifesting on Earth. And then it created a sinister side of their personalities. It's like, that's all you need to know. And this is just Janet interacting with her husband and being an Avenger. Yeah. Uh, can we also just say uh, Shathan, like Cthulhu? Like, oh. really dumb, I just want to say for that name. <laughs> really quick. That could be <laughs> like, an honestly, it, it could be an actual Lovecraft thing for all I know. Yeah, you know? I have no idea what he looks Doesn't like. Doesn't mean it's not dumb. It's stupid. It's a stupid name. Okay. I just had to say uh, do, Wait, did you say C-H, is it C-H-T-H-O-N? It is, yes. That, that, that's a character. Fun. That's a really old Marvel character. Is it? There you yeah, go. That has been. Yeah, hold on. I'm, I'm pulling it up. Because okay. I'm like, that sounds super familiar. And I was like, is that an actual Lovecraftian thing? 
It's no, it is good. a. I'm because it says Elder God Cthulhu, and I was like, like Elder God Cthulhu. So essentially, in the same way that like, uh, well, I was gonna say the same with like Dracula is, Dra but actually Marvel does use Dracula. He's basically the Cthulhu of the Marvel universe, and first appeared uh, as the other in 1975, and as himself Cthulhu in 1979. So this isn't like Jordi Belair's fault. Oh no, no, I wasn't saying it was her <laughs> fault because it was oh, already caught okay. up in the dark hold thing. Yeah. It's oh, well, it's also not a, a 2021 decision. This is okay. a super, uh, uh, an established, I'm not saying it's a good name. Oh, no, no, no. But In the 70s, it was also stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, we can't use Cthulhu because it's a Lovecraft thing. We'll make our own Cthulhu Elder God. Also, Lovecraft, I think it's, well, it's public domain now. It I is. Don't know if it was, yeah, it I, I guess it probably then. wasn't in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, so this is like a alt, you know, world story of, what or what if story basically what if Jan janet van dyne uh fought back you yeah know, with hack with hank him abusing her and it's like pretty deep like jordy like gets in there um you know and yeah. i i felt things while reading this comic like you know like it's a survivor story really and yeah. at the end it's no hold barred like what she does <laughs> And I was like, I was rooting for her the whole time. And I was like, can this just be canon? Like, honestly, uh, it's pretty badass. It. It's fucking badass. And, you know, I'm not really for murder most of the time, but <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it. this is I will say this is my favorite we read this week just because it oh. worked so well to me as a standalone thing. All the other ones are like, I'm like, OK, what's the rest of the story? And this one, I don't need anything else. I don't need, I don't want to see the universe where Janet did this. Like, I, I don't care. Like, it, yeah. it's all in this issue. And it's, yeah, super cool. Just a cool standalone story. Do we yeah. want to spoil it for people? I um, mean, it's pretty badass. Regardless yeah. of if you know. Yeah, regardless of what you know, it happens. I will just say, um, we don't have to, like, spoil the whole thing. Um, but it starts off, you know, with Janet fighting Kang and Pym is not there. Uh, and Kang kind of like puts a seed into her head, you know, yeah. uh, of telling- You're so free that, without him. Yeah, you'll be free without he, him. He um, holds you back. Yeah, like I know, and like kind of like saying like, I know what he does to, to you. And then it's yeah. like her serving, you know, lunch to Pym while he's, you know, doing his experiments. And you kind of just see him picking at her, like the whole issue. You know, I'm busy. Do you need something right now? Quote, <laughs> like, like, right. just like, leave me alone. Like, he's just very despicable. Like the depiction of Hank in this is, is pretty gross. I mean, but it's, and it's true too. Like you saw it in all the other Avengers issues too, at this time, like what he does to her. And mostly in those issues too, it was just the Avengers fighting her fight. It wasn't her fighting back. And in this yeah. one, you see her finally fighting back. Um, and you have one other she has a Sorry. relationship with pepper and like they have a conversation about it then her with um tigra and they're talking about it as well you just see her like starting to build something um or just like you know what what is she gonna do how is she gonna feel if she could finally fight this fight yeah um, and, and then it's very what, powerful what, it was it really was and one other thing i just liked how it starts male wasps are utterly useless and she like explains the science of that and i just like the the idea that like she's not 
the lady Ant-Man, right? Which is what she was probably conceived as, right? Like Stan, you know, thinking, of, oh yeah, the lady, right? It's like, no, he's the male wasp. Yeah. And he's useless. Yeah. <laughs> it's just pretty funny. It is, yeah. <laughs> one, one thing that I loved in, in the Ultimate comics, the Mark Millar uh, Ultimate series, was they established that in that universe, Wasp is a mutant. And the only reason, who can naturally shrink and grow the wings. And the only reason uh, that Hank could develop the pin particles is because he, he knew her. Without her, he wouldn't have been able to do any of it. And so the fact cool. that, the, I love the idea of the, their origins being like intrinsically linked. Because yeah, like, yeah, he makes these things that can shrink people, but why does she grow wings? Why does she have the venom blast? All he can do is shrink and she can do what he does plus other stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So the yeah. idea of her being like the superior version of Pym or being an, a necessary aspect of Hank Pym's scientific discovery um, is really cool and interesting. Yeah, I like that. Plus yeah. she she has uh, led the Avengers the most second only to Captain America. Yep. Like over a decade, she was like, leader of the avengers mm -hmm. yeah or close to a decade maybe yeah um so yeah this was also my uh, pick of the week as well um and i want to actually i'm gonna definitely uh tweet to jordy belair and tell her thank you for writing this because it was so great <laughs> yeah yeah definitely interesting stuff but i did not expect i mean yeah. i was like okay the art's cool and then this is going to be just like some random marvel comic i was you know that's the best type of comic when i'm like oh wow i had no expectations and now i'm like kind of blown away yeah well after reading redlands that's the kind of like story that she writes you know um so okay. like after flipping through it real quick i was like oh this is not going to be like a normal marvel issue you know she just writes those super powerful like female protagonists that are just like fuck this i'm writing my own story um and cool. uh, yeah i also right. love the idea of a writer colorist you yeah. know <laughs> uh it's like start the story then finish the story you know like your your final coloring is the final touches and it's like that must be an interesting thing for her because her coloring is always in service of the story but it's now it's in service of her own story right so right. she know what she meant you know like Absolutely. Yeah, pretty cool. All right. Um, that's all of our comic reviews. Whew, that was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's get to some news. Uh, switch gears. And who's seen Eternals? Anybody yet? No. I'm the only not one? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, my God, you guys. <laughs> all right. Well, we're not, I'm not going to spoil the movie or anything, but we are going to get into uh, some fan theories about it without spoilers really um so there's a big theory going around that eternals is leading the x-men into the universe oh have you guys heard about this i have not uh i feel like that rumor comes about every two <laughs> yeah. years or so <laughs> every movie yeah like uh, oh dr strange because he can go to different dimensions they're gonna oh wandavision the fact that quicksilver's in it that's gonna lead it like it's oh shane just... t can punch through walls he's gonna punch through the wall into the x-men universe right yeah <laughs> uh, uh, i mean even going back to like i mean i think the earliest one being age of ultron because that had mutants now they're not mutants right. anymore and they're like oh that's gonna lead to magneto that's gonna lead to like uh, so i think that um i'm on record as saying this I think that the X-Men should not be a part of the MCU because the existence of mutants, I think, would completely disrupt 
what the MCU has already cultivated. I think the X-Men are, this is a hot take, more interesting removed from, as, as cinematically speaking, more interesting in their own little space where mutants are the only thing in that world. So uh, if you can't be happy until you see Wolverine and Spider-Man hang out in a major motion picture, uh, I don't know. Read more comics, I guess. Well, okay. Sure. But... <laughs> I'm not saying this uh, to you. I'm saying this to like fans who I know. are like X Men, X Men. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, but you know about Star Fox, right? Well, yes. I, I I've heard things, and yeah, okay. I'm tr- I, again, I am trying to. I am do plan to see the movie. I just okay. haven't had time. But, right. Well, uh, but, I won't tell you all about that or anything. Okay, but okay, all right, in the comics, the genetic experiments <laughs> of the Celestials on early hominids created the X gene in humanity. Right? We know about that. Mm. Okay. Um. But uh, even though they don't do the experiments on early humans uh, per se, they did create life on this world. This is the Celestials. Um, So they could have planted the dormant X gene in humanities. Uh, So they're saying basically uh, the Celestials now like have awoken in the Marvel universe um, Mm -hmm. in the MCU. So basically that's what like started the mutant gene. Are you with me still? Sure, yeah. Right, right. Um, so Tiamat is the celestial in uh, in Eternals. Um, so if he was like reawakening in the Eternals, uh, slowly it's been like leaking throughout our Earth for a very long time now in the Marvel Universe. Uh, so they think that the X gene has been like slowly awakening uh, throughout all of time. And so the mutants are going to just start like popping up in the MCU. This is the theory. What do you it's think? It's just such a weird concept, right? Yeah. <laughs> if they aren't there from the beginning, it's like, so Namor's like a new guy, like Apocalypse, yeah. like new dude. Well, that's like, the thing. It works though, because then like he suddenly reawakes now and it just like explodes. And now they can like awaken them all at once. I don't know. I, I mean, I bet that like, I mean, Apoc- Apocalypse is a is a valid point, but also I feel like they just after the failure of that movie, they just we're just not going to do Apocalypse again. Uh, we'll just say that Apocalypse doesn't exist. Namor, I mean, I guess that I mean, is he? I mean, I know he is a mutant, but like, isn't he also like uh, a man fish, like Aquaman, like half half a fifty fifty a hybrid? No, no, what? <laughs> right? He's half fish. Isn't he half Atlantean? Oh, he's, he's an Atlantean. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I guess that that could kind of be separate from mutant in a way, like in the right. same way that, like, yeah. Um, but but really, the thing for me is that I don't want a Wolverine that isn't over a hundred years old. That's true. Well, yeah. that could be the thing, though. So, Wolverine could still be there because if it was like slowly leaking, he could have just been like dormant for like a while. Yeah, and then post snap, maybe like things exactly. accelerated and now like, it was a shitload of mutants. Right. There have always people. been, mm-hmm. yeah, there's been like, you know, a couple hundred around the world. Right. That no one, and that never met each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and now they're coming out of right. accelerator. That's all right. It, it does need that like, ancient past like there needs mm-hmm. to be that like these roots where it's like mutantum has been slowly rising and then it's like from the birth of the you know when humans harnessed the atom is sort of when it exploded but it's like they've been here and it's like 
I guess you could propose that there has been a few, you know, yeah. here and there. Yeah, like you said, like uh, under a hundred of them through history, yeah. and then it's like all of a sudden, boom! Now there's ten thousand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, like, now the world knows about them. Yeah, and like Hulk snapping and like resetting everything, kind of like just make it makes it a huge event now, and like all of them start popping up everywhere too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or or and it could even be a thing where like Xavier and Magneto and Wolverine and a few others existed before, right, and exactly. only and Xavier knew about the other ones because of course he would, right. um, but and it was just like all right, I'm going to keep an eye on this, make sure that nothing pops up. But now it's uncontrollable, and so that's when he decides to open the school. You know, we could write a better story than what they're going to do. Yeah, exactly. He could have <laughs> hid them. I thought that too. Right? Yeah. He could have hid the knowledge of them from people. Yeah. P.S. That was the best thing about Eternals was that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's my review of Eternals. I'm still, I'm still going to see it, but I'm prioritizing Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of Ghostbusters, I loved it. Um, definitely go see it. It was amazing. I'm excited. Um, I haven't seen it. I've never seen, I'm such a big Ghostbusters fan, but I've never, oh no, I did see the, the Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy one in theaters, but that's yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah uh yeah i really i saw it on friday on opening day nice um, it was great uh the kids you know the thing i was most scared about was like the kids being really annoying um and they weren't they were all great it was like so endearing i just found myself like smiling throughout the entire movie mm -hmm. um yeah there were some things i i don't know they they did kind of like the star wars uh thing where they used a lot of stuff from the original you know yeah um, sure which you know plays on your emotions too because you're like oh i remember that but yeah uh, i thought they could have done less of that that would be my my only thing mm -hmm. fan service is the new way right right yeah yeah um i mean but, I, but, uh, I yeah it was great <laughs> cool yeah cool okay let's get into uh spider Garfield? oh what Andrew Garfield? What? Garfield? Oh, we could do that first if you want to do, uh, you don't want to talk about Spider-Man. Oh, I do. This is just really brief. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know this about this upcoming Garfield movie. Uh, well, I, it, it's on the 1st, it was announced, the 1st of November, it was announced that Chris Pratt would be voicing Garfield, uh, which is bad casting because that's not his type. There's so many, so many better people. Uh, I'd say nearly everyone else in the cast of Parks and Recreation would have done a better job voicing Garfield than Chris Pratt. Nick Offerman, Aubrey Plaza, fuck it, Aziz Ansari. Who cares anymore? Um, <laughs> Who does care? <laughs> yeah, I you know, I, I just think that like Chris Pratt, just because he's like a big deal right now, also the fact that he's voicing Mario, I'm fucking sick of this dude. Also, uh -huh. we don't need another Garfield movie, but if we have to have one, I don't want it to be Nick Offerman. I mean, I, I do want it to be Nick Offerman. I don't want it to be Chris Pratt, but, but it's being written by David Reynolds and directed by Mark Dindle, the last time they worked together was on The Emperor's New Groove, which is a movie that I did enjoy. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think that that bodes well for whatever they're going to do with this. I think that, that the sort of like madcap, anything can happen, who, who cares energy that they took from like what was supposed to be a very serious Lion King like level of tone movie with... Uh, um, because Emperor's New Groove was supposed to be a very different movie with a soundtrack by Sting and like a much more like respectful tribute to like South American mythology uh -huh. and turned into like, I'm David Spade, you know? <laughs> uh, wow. It's gotta so be better be... than Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. 
Yeah, it does. It, it definitely does. <laughs> but like you, you listen to how Bill Murray did Garfield's voice or back in the back in the 80s, Lorenzo music. And you're like, OK, well, obviously the next person is Chris Pratt. That's that's a terrible casting no. decision. But I, I will be uh, um, probably seeing this movie at a dollar theater while tremendously drunk. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And if I fall asleep, so be it. <laughs> Definitely less offended by the Garfield casting than the Mario casting. Yeah. Yes. Too. The Mario casting is worse. But oh. the when, when they announced, I watched a Nintendo Direct live where they, when they announced who would be playing who. And at every announcement, I yelled at my screen, what the fuck is going on? For Mario or Garfield? For, the Mar- for Mario. For Mario. Okay. Yeah. I was playing. Um, uh oh my god brain nope princess peach yes uh anya taylor joy that was the only time where i was like sure yeah Uh, yeah. jack jack black is bowser Mm -hmm. um uh seth rogan is donkey kong i like that Uh, yeah that's that's pretty great (laughs) i'm not gonna lie that's that rules uh fred armison is cranky kong that's good too uh uh, keegan michael key is toad Mm mm-hmm um and i don't remember you know i don't know if they announced luigi now that i think about it who's wario wario's not in it oh. <laughs> although um uh sebastian uh menescolo the comedian is voicing spike who is an esoteric character from wrecking crew right which is a yeah like an 80s game that mario was in and a lot of people think that Spike became Waluigi. They kind of have similar character designs. So they're like, oh, is Waluigi secretly in the movie? Which I feel like if they wanted to put Waluigi in a movie, they'd, they wouldn't say it isn't Waluigi, you know? Yeah, but Sebastian Maniscalco would be a great Waluigi. Yeah, I, I do kind of hope that that is what happens. Oh, like, Charlie Day is the voice of Luigi. That's, oh, that's, that's right. We, I, I knew yeah. that too. Yeah. We're like, well, he's Italian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. You know, it's like day, it just screams Italian. <laughs> he is Italian, but I know, I Italian. know. I just okay, okay, Italian. cool. I mean, doesn't have two Italian last names like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should have been Mario. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay, Sp- we got to talk about Spider Man No Way Home. Yeah, we do. I did, I did break my no trailers rule and I watched this trailer. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. So we have so many villains that joined our trailer. Still have not seen Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield, who have said they are not in the movie. Nobody believes them. I, I don't know, man. I don't. I'm starting to think they are not in the movie, <laughs> and I feel people are going to be very disappointed. However, in the trailer, um, we see. Okay, so we see Electro, Sandman, um, Lizard. What? Uh, I said Green Goblin, and he said Lizard. Okay, <laughs> yeah, Green Goblin, Lizard, Doc Ock, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and then so in one of the scenes, like Sandman is like blowing something, uh, and the Lizard is like getting knocked out of the way, and you actually can see something being digitally cut out. Yeah, okay. the punch, right? Yeah. There's the big scene where they're all flying together, all the villains and the mm-hmm. Spider and Spider Man, and you see the Lizard. And he gets clocked in the chin, right. but there's no one there. Yeah. There's and, just nothing there. Right. And Sandman's actually blowing something too. You can see it. And like, yeah, there's nothing there. So two theories. It's one of the other Spider-Men or 
the third Spider-Man, it's Miles Morales, who right. has an invisible suit. Oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That could be cool. I mean, it could be cool. I if they keep if they ever cast another Peter Parker, I'd say that's a mis- like I don't mean ever, but like that would be a mistake. It like be- Tom Holland should be Miles's Peter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and then let Miles like whenever Tom Holland's done, you know, like give us Miles and then give us Peter Parker again in you know twenty years, like right. When Tom Holland has said he's going to be moving on, um, good for at him. least from this storyline. I don't know if he's going to be in any other Marvel movies, but this is the last, you know, of the trilogy of the No Way Home mm-hmm. coming, whatever home movies. Yeah. <laughs> so at Boss Logic, the artist actually physically drew Miles Morales into the frames. Hmm. so you can actually see miles morales if you want to look that up it's on boss logic i think it's just at boss logic on twitter he does a lot of comic covers too it looks pretty good i don't know it definitely looks like a spider-man is in that little frame that they cut out uh so can i bring something else up from the trailer yeah of course uh how they make fun of otto octavius's name um oh god in the same universe where he's friends with Pepper Potts uh-huh. and Happy Hogan. Right. Yeah. I right? agree completely. Or everybody's names. <laughs> like, yeah. And Stephen is like, strange. Auto- that's yeah. a bridge yeah. too far. That's too far. I know. Yeah. I thought that was so dumb as well. <laughs> One thing that I, well, that I liked, so they had this huge like screening event where they invited like fans and everything to go like watch the trailer debut live yeah. and then the trailer dropped on the internet like an hour later but if you wanted to see it, it hey i'm you know man honestly that seems like a kind of cool thing i remember that i did that the last time a third spider-man movie came out i went to WonderCon and i was really excited to see the spider-man 3 trailer mm-hmm. um and uh but they they showed the live reactions from the trailer and it's everybody cheering and and clapping and everything whatever anything cool happens when they got to that joke silence no one in the room thought it was funny and that <laughs> rules that's yeah. on record being like we don't like it <laughs> uh also from that event is that the what the event you're talking about when tom holland was there and they were like showing it with kevin feig oh i think so yeah okay so they also had three posters up in front of it and people mm-hmm. are also saying oh there's three spider-man so there's going to be three spider-man in the movie as well that's another another theory that's flying around um i just think people are really stretching for that it's going to be three Spider-Man, but maybe, maybe that's another hint that they wanted to drop. I don't know. Well, um, how funny would it be if it, um, specifically these films is Marvel produces them, but Sony is in charge of all the marketing, mm-hmm. which if you look through, back through the history of the trailers, like they're not as good at the trailer game as Marvel. Right. So like, that's when, you know, you had the like blatant, like, oh, this Spider-Man trailer just has Iron Man. You're like, what the fuck? Like, I remember being like, what the fuck? He's just going to, like, dominate the movie. And then you saw the movie and it's good, right? But mm-hmm. their marketing is very different than the very close to the vest that Marvel does. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like there was some sort of talk or something where they wanted to put the Tobys in there. Someone probably wanted to. And then someone was like, no, we have enough or some. I feel like there's some behind the scenes back and forth going on there because it is two companies doing this 
and it, like traditionally Sony would be in charge of it, but maybe Marvel still has a voice in that or something. Maybe, or it's just, I mean, people have been dying to know what's going to be in this movie for so long um, and they just want to keep it secret or they're not in it. Who knows? Uh, there's also that black Spider-Man costume too with the gold and stuff. And they haven't actually showed him take off his mask with wearing that costume. That might not even be him in that costume either. Uh, also in I don't think any of us saw the new Venom movie right no not no not yet no apparently there is a cut scene at the end of the Venom movie where he enters the Marvel universe yeah so mm. that could be something wait it's be. it's oh it's it's like a it's not in the final edit it or is in the final edit I'm sorry it's just oh, the, the end scene that oh the, the post credits okay post credit scene yeah the very end of the movie so Tom Hardy actually is now in the Marvel universe Oh, yeah. yeah i was it was told to me by uh our own our good friend sherwin um <laughs> i was he was like do you care and i was like just tell me like i know they hinted at it the internet can't hide stuff um i guess he's watching uh it's tom hardy watching tv with venom and uh his face comes on screen as like spider-man like the identity of spider-man has been revealed uh, now, okay. You're getting this like fourth <laughs> telephone down the line. So, yeah. I just saw, read an article briefly because I was like, oh, I don't want to spoil Venom for myself. Like, I care about Venom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still I am kind of stoked to see the Morbius movie because that looks like it's going to be a, a train wreck. But I don't know. The last trailer I saw looked better than some of the other movies. His, I mean, his effects look really good, at least. Maybe. I just want a weird movie. I just want yeah. a weird one too. I just like vampires. I just rewatched the episode of the Spider-Man 90s animated series, uh, the first appearance of Morbius, and like how he, like it's so the fact that he, they couldn't have him bite people, so they put his hand his uh, uh, his mouths to suck blood for, in his hands, and he only sucks out plasma. Plasma, um, and and he gets beat up by spider-man and goes and gets checked into the hospital and when he's in the hospital he turns back from vampire form to human form and just sleeps in the hospital and then when night falls again he turns back into a vampire and he's like i'm fine so basically he is pretty indestructible i guess mm-hmm. yeah i so, know really what you, i've watched those episodes pretty yeah. recently and that's about it yeah he looks cool, though. he looks really cool it's a great costume yeah yeah mm-hmm. all the character all the character designs on that show were awesome they looked like they looked like perfect representations of the characters I'd also like to be perfect as action figures and that's all I wanted <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, um, well I, I have to I have to dip um, or did we have more to talk about um, sorry that's okay uh, just really quick sure. I wanted to talk just very briefly um, the so I don't think any of us watched the Batwoman show but oh right yeah, just <laughs> but they unveiled uh, there's a new poison ivy on that show. And of course, people are pissed because she's Asian and not white, just like I mean, Batwoman on that show is black, and they all got mm-hmm. pissed off about that as well. Uh, so her name is Nicole Kang, is the actress, and the character's name is Mary Hamilton, so it's not even Pamela Isley, right? Um, so that's real shitty, as per usual. Um, just on Facebook, I got into an argument with some douchebag because 
he went into this whole rant about how there's not even a DC multiverse anyways, because that's the Marvel multiverse, the Marvel well, multiverse. And I was like, yeah. So I uh, <laughs> went on a huge long rant for about like two pages of Facebook about the history of the DB DC multiverse. Who created they, the multiverse? Yeah. DC Comics created the multiverse. Crisis exactly. on <laughs> Crisis on Two Earths, Justice yep. League Comics. It was like what the 12th issue or something. It's some somewhere in that first 20. Well, no, I mean, it, was it really actually started early, with yeah. the Justice with the JSA in 1940 originally or with sure. All-Star Comics. Well, Wait. All-Star Comics in yeah, and number three. And then it starts with Wonder Woman, uh, even oh. after that, uh, in 1953. And that's like the first parallel universe. Um, oh. And then The Flash, the Flash Showcase, yeah. number four, right? And then in Flash 123, you get the first crossover with Jay Garrick and mm -hmm. The Flash. That awesome cover. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then... Uh, with the Justice League, finally, you get your first official multiverse crossover with Earth One and Earth Two, uh, and then after that, it, that really opened everything up. Um, then Earth Three, and then they were like, yeah. "Okay, now all the things that we bought now live in their own little universes, and that's why they've never met, but actually they have met." Exactly. Yeah, I, the yeah. the idea that someone's like Marvel—I mean, I don't even like. What's the earliest Marvel alternate universe story? I mean, obviously DC beats beats it like you know by by probably a I would wager a full decade. I would wager that at even least. going to Flash of Two Earths, um, I, I would say that is at least a full decade before the first Marvel parallel universe thing. Well, I mean, but like Marvel hadn't even been created yet. I mean, we had Atlas. Yeah. Still, yeah. I mean, because that I, was in 1961, so Marvel had just started. Yeah, Did if it Star Trek just beat? Out, yeah. Did Star Trek beat Marvel to the uh, alternate dimension <laughs> game? Star oh. Trek may have too, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like 69 with the goatees. Yeah. Uh -huh. I know, I'm try I can't even think of when Marvel's first crossover to other universes. What would be there? Well, I hope that guy's listening. Let's say it's Age of Apocalypse and just, just to piss him off. Yeah, be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Days of Future Past, was, that was more of a timeline. That was like yeah, an that alternate was a timeline. future. That was in another universe. Yeah. Um, it definitely didn't become a big thing in Marvel until, I would say, Age of Apocalypse, where like yeah. having that one-eyed Cyclops with the long hair and mm -hmm. like that whole thing, like, it, I remember being a kid and people were, like, just blown away by the concept of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, I guess what if as a premise, like the comic what if, yeah. which yeah. was the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't have, like, people traveling, you know, that the, the idea with that is, like, hey, this is, like, it's not like what happened in the, in the show, in the Disney Plus show where they're, like, jumping around. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so there's well, there's that but yeah that's that's the only thing i can really i mean the idea of going traveling to and from these different worlds okay is first appearance of the marvel multiverse was uh the avengers 85 and 1971 so yeah still a full decade what, still, what yeah. was the story <laughs> uh the story was hold on avengers 85 okay i figure oh, give me one second Avengers. Uh, the world. Is, huh? Was it Kang? Probably. Hold on. That would make sense. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, the world is not for burning is the title of the issue. Of course, Great. it involves a vision. Oh, oh, it's a stuff. I should have known this. It was a Squadron Supreme. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course. I just graded that issue too. So the right. first the first Marvel multiverse story was intentionally riffing on the DC multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So there's your fucking proof guy. Yeah. <laughs> Nolan. <laughs> but of course uh, it was, right? Of course it was. <laughs> Vision with that goatee though. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Let's do some quick plugs before we go. Jacob? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jacob S. Rubin. Uh, I, uh, I stream every so often on Twitch with Super Trash TV. We play video games that have drinking jaw rules. So tune in and uh, watch us drink and play video games. Uh, and also um, Nerd Rage, The Great Debates, which is an awesome podcast that I've been on many times. And Jess, you have also been on um, a fairly large number of times um is coming to a close they are recording their final episodes they'll have a show at Sketchfest. i'm not involved in the show but uh my final two episodes will be coming out soon including one where we uh debate who's better mario or garfield because of the chris pratt connection so if you want to listen to that very fun very funny episode which i am on uh that just follow nerd rage the great debates sweet thank you make sure y'all listen to that poor nerd rage i'm so sad that it's leaving yeah, I mean, hey, four, five years? It had a really yeah. good run. Nearly every week, yeah. But they want, some of the members want to move on and do other projects, so it's just kind of... Totally. And it's, we're getting a final episode. It's not like it just is getting canceled. You know? And it's, they're going to be at Sketchfest, so... And they're going to be at Sketchfest. Yeah. yeah, get tickets for that at Sketchfest. I think it's just sfsketchfest.com. Yeah. Robert? Nice. Uh, Jacob, you're good at the, the plug thing. Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is my third podcast this week (laughs) (laughs) Um, you can catch me on Instagram R-O-B-E-R-T underscore N-E-G-O-E-S-C-O at Robert Negoesco I have a YouTube channel haven't updated that recently but I mostly post on Instagram Um, I got a big project coming out uh, new project I'm working on so follow me there that's the best place to keep in touch with uh, me and buy your comic yes and buy my comic which uh, i'm doing that this weekend i'm gonna make the official video and show it off and fi- i'm finally like ready to start you know taking orders and everything uh that was a big process to get ready for that but uh yeah it's gonna be ready to be ordered um and delivered to your doorstep and what's it called institution comics all-star action Cool. <laughs> Good <Yeah>. job. <laughs> All right. And I'm Jessica Balboni, uh, Jessa Balboni on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. All of the things. So find me there at Jessa Balboni. I also write a comic. It's coming out probably in March called Banshees. So yeah, nice. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Does Jacob know our sign off? Oh, I don't think so. We have a sign-off now. Oh, wow. Okay, I, I do listen to the show, but I don't remember. What is it? <laughs> well, should we just do it? We can, how, how can we, I should write it down and then you can say it. <laughs> no. <laughs> do you have a pen? I don't have a pen. <laughs> I don't either. Post it in the chat. We're going to follow. Post it in the chat and I'll read it. Oh, yeah, there's a chat. Where's that yeah. button? I don't know. 
you have just to draw this episode out. And we're going to draw it out <laughs> even more. By the way, Mario <laughs> is definitely better than Garfield. Hey, you got to listen to the, I was on, I was on the Garfield <laughs> team. You'll have to listen to the episode. Oh man. Oh, Both man. sides make great points. <laughs> I do like, I do like Garfield. No, like no hate. Early Garfield, like the first, like I'd say the first decade or so was actually kind of pretty funny. Yeah. And then there's also, of course, Garfield without Garfield, which is right. an incredible fan edit. One of the yeah. best up there with that... friends without the laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, great. Yeah. All right. And remember, escape, escape into, into comics. comics. Yay. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys very soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. -bye.